Today, the people of Locked On Sports have lost their mind, not me. I'm totally sane, as you can see by how well I'm handling this in my general tone and demeanor. I am not crazy, but the people at Locked On Sports Network are crazy. I'll tell you why. It's coming up next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. My wife calls that music 90s game show music. I think that's disrespectful. I think she's wrong. I think that's a straight banger from the production team at Locked On Sports. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are currently at 666 subscribers, 666. And as a man of faith, I don't like that. I do not want my subscriber number to be the mark of the beast. Somebody bump that up by subscribing right now so we can get to 667. Uh, we're talking today about a list that came out recently. So Locked On Sports has been kind enough. They're giving us list. We're in the middle of summer. We're kind of in a dead period for content to a certain extent. And so they put out a bunch of different um, kind of pieces for us to just discuss with our audience. And I was excited about this. I click on the email. I click on, um, you know, the folder they gave us with all these Big 12 lists. And I was immediately infuriated by a lot of them because I guess, you know, I put this out on Twitter today and somebody said, well, this is what you should expect. And maybe I should expect it at this point. But the disrespect for the TCU Horn Frogs is incredible. And so there was a list that was part of this top five football programs in the big 12. Now the wording to this is a little wonky because the way I interpreted it is expectations for this year, basically the top five teams for big 12 football going into the 2023, 2024 season. Okay. Now, historically we can talk about top five programs in the big 12. And I think TCU still is on that list. If you look at their history as a football program, but I'm going to put this graphic up for you. And I want to let you see this. There's five teams on here. Texas at one, Oklahoma at two, Kansas State at three, Baylor at four, Texas Tech at five. Absent is the team that played for a national championship last season in the TCU Horn Frogs. And yes, I understand. The people that made this list, they probably look and they say, no Max Duggan, Heisman finalist, gone. Your quarterback, out of there. Quentin Johnston, first round draft pick, gone. Steve Avila. High draft pick, gone on the interior offensive line. Um, Kendra Miller, out of here with the New Orleans Saints. Also, Amari DiMercato, your change of pace back, gone. A defense that was somewhat inconsistent last year, even though I would argue, and many of you know that have listened, that this defense is returning a lot of pieces. They got better as the year went on. Joe Gillespie was really good at adjusting during games. He did a nice job in the second half of games in a lot of instances to get them through the regular season undefeated. The TCU Horn Frogs deserve to be on this list. They are supposed to be in the top five, okay? And I, Texas is going to be, most likely, I got my media ballot for Big 12 Media Days. I need to fill it out tomorrow. I haven't filled it out quite yet. I understand. I, I would put money down today if FanDuel has these odds. I don't think they do. On the Texas Longhorns being the pick, consensus pick by the media to win the Big 12. Year three of the Steve Sarkeesian era. Uh, most of the offensive line coming back, a lot of that defensive line coming back, getting better in the trenches, right? But 
All the teams on this list have question marks. We talked about what TCU, the question marks TCU had earlier. Every team on this list has questions going into the season. Quinn Ewers was horrible at times last year. He was incredibly inconsistent. He wasn't good. And he held Texas back at times. And I'm sure he's worked in the offseason. I know he got a haircut. He's kind of got rid of that mullet, right? But, I mean, this is a big ask. Texas, they lost a couple of one-score games. Bijan Robinson will be gone. Now they have a lot of pieces. Xavier Worthy coming back. Quinn and Xavier never really connected, but maybe they can now. Um, Jordan Whittington, who's been kind of in and out of the lineup with injuries. Jatavian Sanders. Some key pieces on defense returning. I understand why expectations are sky high for Texas. And goodness gracious, if they were the national runners-up last year, if they went to the national championship game like TCU did, even if they got drummed by Georgia like TCU did, I don't even – the hype would just be uncontrollable. The helium balloon would be up in the air. Expectations would be higher than sky high. I don't even know how to describe it because expectations are always high for Texas. And in the past decade plus, they haven't backed that up. But other than Texas, I mean, if we're being real about this, I don't think there is a team that necessarily should be picked above the TCU Horned Frogs, even with all the pieces they have missing. You're telling me Oklahoma, which looked really bad in year one under Brett Venables. Defense was rough, and they turned over 30% of their roster. Dylan Gabriel coming back at that quarterback position, the transfer from UCF. Not a lot of experience at receiver. I think uh, Drake Stoops is their, you know, biggest returner at that position. Jeff Levy's offense is largely predicated on receivers winning one-on-one battles. That defense was horrible last year. I know Venables and that staff brought in a really good recruiting class, but if you're asking freshmen, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to be immediate contributors in a hurry, that can be problematic. Kansas State, again, returning a lot of people. Will Howard coming back. Now you lose Deuce Vaughn, which is a big deal. But this is another team that has question marks. Yes, you're you're returning your offensive line, but you have to replace some of these playmakers. And, you know, K-State, Texas, I get the high expectations, but I have no idea why TCU would not be ahead of Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas Tech when we're talking about expectations going into the season. Baylor still with Blake Shapin at quarterback, who was very disappointing last year. Baylor fans don't want him back there under center. They're skilled guys. You got a lot of guys coming back, including Monterey Baldwin, who kind of turned into their main target by the season's end. Um, and so I guess you're you're projecting a big jump there, but Dave Aranda and that defense, they weren't a stone wall last year. They have a lot of turnover on that side of the ball. Um, they did win a Big 12 championship a few years ago. But I think from a, a talent retention standpoint – and just you look across the roster and the ability that TCU showed, TCU should be above Baylor. Like, what are we doing here? This Baylor defense has massive turnover. You have a quarterback who's unproven. It doesn't make sense. And then finally, the one that just blows my mind, Texas Tech. Joey McGuire, I like him. Texas high school football legend, Cedar Hill head coach. Did a great job there. Goes to Baylor as an assistant coach for a few years. Comes out to Lubbock. He's got some energy, enthusiasm. He likes to do, you know, the WWE promos, whatever. He's a he's a good coach. 
I think he's done some cool things there. I think Tech played with more effort and energy last season. But they didn't set the world on fire. And Tyler Shook at their quarterback, which we're going on year three of high expectations for Tyler Shook. Maybe he's going to be a first-round pick. He can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. He's he's frequently injured. When he's been in the lineup, he hasn't been super impressive. Zach Kitley, I mean, he was – you know, the golden boy coming over um, from Western Kentucky before that was at Houston Baptist, the offensive coordinator. They're going to go really fast. They're going to go for it on almost every fourth down, put a lot of pressure on the defense. But it's a very vanilla scheme. It's a very vanilla system. And if you don't have dudes that can win one-on-one matchups, it's tough to move the football. And because they go for it so much on fourth down, sometimes they give you good field position. In that game against TCU, you know, TCU is struggling. They give TCU multiple short fields in a row, and TCU puts that ball game away. They're losing a first-round pick in Tyree Wilson at defensive end. And Tech just historically has not been good. I mean, it's it's a program that at its best was a, a team that was going to make a bowl game, pull off a couple upsets every year, and probably win eight to nine games. The ceiling there is, is low. Texas Tech over TCU is ridiculous. And here's the deal. Sonny Dykes, for all the for all the losses that TCU has, for all the losses in production that TCU has in this offseason, Sonny Dykes took a Gary Patterson roster that had underachieved for three straight seasons. The high watermark for that senior class coming into last season was going six and four in a COVID year, and they got to six wins because they scheduled Louisiana Tech in game 10 and got a victory at home. Okay, that was, I mean, they go five and four in Big 12 play, which was cool, had a big win over Oklahoma State, but that was like the high bar for this team. Bowl game against Arkansas and the Texas Bowl ends up getting canceled because of COVID outbreak. In 2019, five and seven. Um, In 2021, five and seven. And a lot of those games weren't particularly close. Max Duggan was a mediocre Power 5 quarterback. I'm not trying to be harsh about it. I'm just telling you what it is. Quentin Johnston was a guy with a lot of potential who had underachieved for most of his career. Kendra Miller was not a name that many people knew. Sonny Dykes took those offensive pieces, turned them into a great team. He went and hired Joe Gillespie. Joe Gillespie took that defense from a defense that just got road graded by people, gave up a ton of yards in the running game, and turned them into a cohesive unit. He's got a lot of pieces coming back this year. And I think TCU as a whole on this roster is more talented than they were last season. And Sonny Dykes is good at maximizing talent. In the last few seasons, they have owned Texas, they have owned Baylor, and they have owned Texas Tech. The kids that just graduated from Texas Tech a month ago, they never saw a win against TCU in the sport of football. The kids that graduated from Texas that didn't take a victory lap, They saw one UT win over TCU in their college career. The Frogs have taken, I think, eight of nine from Baylor, seven of eight, something like that. And if not for John Mayers hitting a crazy 50-plus yard field goal, they would have swept them since 2014. This is a team that understands how to beat the Big 12 opponents in their state. Sonny Dykes is a good coach. They should be on this list. This is ridiculous. I'm going to have you look at it again. The absence there is deafening. TCU is a top five team in the Big 12. I don't care how much they've lost. It's just the fact. 
When we come back, we'll transition to baseball. TC trying to keep their season alive again today. That's coming up next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Do you want to talk about FanDuel though quickly? FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can go to that website today. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Take advantage of their no sweat first bet deal. You can put as little as $5 down and get to $1,000 in bonus bets. Uh, Major League Baseball in full swing. Rangers having a nice season. They've been a great surprise so far this year. Uh, division leaders as of this recording. Won't talk about the games that are ahead of the Angels and Astros because I don't know the final score of tonight's game yet. But Rangers have been good. You can bet on money lines. You can make prop bets. You can do parlays. It's all at FanDuel. They also have a safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. You hear, If you watch sports, if you are someone who's interested in sports, and you consume a lot of sports media. You're hearing more and more about sports wagering, sports betting. If you want to know what that means, if you want to dip your toe in the water and try to make a little money, FanDuel Sportsbook is a great place to start. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash on, or you can check out their app, FanDuel. It is uh, where the game starts, and they are a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. So TCU Oral Roberts today, uh, Frogs trying to keep their season alive. Again, on the other side of the bracket, another great game, another set of great games. Tennessee, they eliminated Stanford today. They were down 4 nothing. They come back and end up winning that game. I believe the final score was 6-4. to four. Uh, Wake Forest and LSU, which are, you know, recognized sort of across the college baseball world as probably the two best teams in the college world series. We'll see how it shakes out when they have to face either Florida or TCU or Royal Roberts um, in the championship series. But Wake takes down LSU in a great baseball game by a score of 3-2. to So a lot of good college baseball. I said this yesterday, and I know I'm not, like, breaking news here, and this sounds silly, but it is pretty wild just how good these teams are, how many great arms you see, how many teams you see that are just fundamentally solid, defensively sound, make the plays they have to make. And I think we'll see that again today. Uh, with TCU and Oral Roberts. Really fascinating game. So you're down to your third starters. Cam Brown is starting today. And listen, if if you followed TCU baseball the last few years, you know about the Cam Brown experience. Expect some walks. Expect some free passes. I'm a little concerned about Cam starting simply because it seems like the strike zone in the College World Series so far has been pretty tight. Not a lot of room for air. And Cam is known to walk guys. He's known to put guys on base and be a little erratic, be a little wild. Can't do that against this, against this Oral Roberts team. Cannot allow them to get free base runners. Um, but the thing about Cam is he does have electric stuff. And when he's on, he can be really effective. And he can make batters look silly. He misses a lot of bats. He gets a lot of strikeouts. So four or five innings from Cam Brown. Obviously would love to see more than that. But four or five innings of Cam Brown where you're still in the game when he exits the game is a victory. And this is the deal now. Um, you're just kind of trying to survive in advance. Kirk Charlou said everyone's available uh, in this upcoming game today except for um, Sam Stoutenborough because he pitched uh, on Sunday. And so he'll get a little bit of rest. But Cole Klecker, you know, I would imagine they want to keep him around for a potential start on Wednesday or Thursday night, if you get to that point um, with a chance to beat Florida twice to go to the national championship series. But it's like uh, what happened with Garrett Wright the other day. I don't think Kirk Sarlis wanted to bring Garrett Wright in necessarily in the uh, bottom of the fifth inning, but the bottom line was um, he didn't have much, many options. Like you're, you can't, you can't allow pitchers 
to like pitch through things and work this out. You have to have a tight leash and it means you're going to throw a lot of different arms and you just kind of have to hodgepodge it together and hope at the end of the day that um, it, it all comes together and you keep your season going. And you, you can't really think about like, oh, well, who would I have available for tomorrow? You just have to hope that tomorrow happens by winning the game. Now, it would really help if TCU's bats could get going. You know, they've really gone kind of silent um, since that Fayetteville Regional. Of course, facing some really good pitching, Indiana State uh, was super effective, especially with their starters, uh, and then had a good bullpen as well. But um, if, if they could get out to an early lead, that would be huge because, you know, that's, that's sort of what happened in the Big 12 tournament when Cam started. They scored a lot of runs against K-State. And that took so much pressure off Cam Brown moving forward that they could just settle in, try to pound the strike zone and get it done. And so that would be a big deal. Um, always tough to do that. But Oral Roberts also kind of in the same situation where their pitching staff is pretty thin at this point. Um, and so if, if Braden Taylor can get going, because he's in a slump right now. Now he had some he had some uh, balls that he hit on the screws in that opening game, not so much against Virginia. But – you know, if, if he could get to a place where he's hitting the ball well, along with Cole Fontenelle, um, who's been great, and then Trey Richardson, if he could get back in a rhythm, it would be huge for this TCU baseball team moving forward. But there's only six teams playing baseball right now, and TCU is one of them. And that did not seem possible um, a month ago. But, hey, you want to keep that season alive as long as you can, so hopefully then go out and get the victory today, and then um, you'll get a chance. It'll be tough. It's an uphill battle. Florida's really good. they got a lot of arms. And it's tough to see anybody beating them twice in a row, but it, I mean, it can be done. And give yourself an opportunity and just kind of roll the dice out there and see what happens. And that's the formula for TCU baseball today as they uh, try to keep their season alive again in elimination game. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. It's Locked on Horn Frogs again. It's your team every day. Last segment. So I touched about on this a little bit um, yesterday, but Haas Haney. He was at the Elite 11 Finals in Los Angeles this past weekend. He did a really nice job. I mean, I've, I've kind of been trying to take what I can from it. On three, had him rated as the best athlete. He did end up as an Elite 11 finalist, um, which is significant because Brian Smith told us, he was like, hey, I like this kid's film. I see why people are excited about him. I see why his stock is sort of rising as um, recruiting continues to heat up. But he's a super athletic guy, does a lot, you know, in the dual threat area, does a lot with his legs. And so I'm, I'm not sure how this is how this event's going to go for him because it's more predicated on you know making throws, making throws from the pocket, you know making things happen. But I think what Haas showed is he's a playmaker. He did really good in the seven on seven portion. He did really well um, throwing off schedule, throwing off balance, which would, you would expect for somebody who's able to move around as much as he is. So I'm excited about him. <clears throat> I think you know he's only going to get more attention as we get closer to his senior season and then beyond because Alito will be uh, deep in the playoffs as they always are. It's one of the great programs in the state. And so Haas will be part of what they're doing this year, which is, uh, which is fantastic. But one to pass that note along. Um, and, and that's, that's great for recruiting because as you know, recruiting expert Brian Smith told us a lot of these receivers now they're making decisions. Um, they're looking at who the quarterback is, who's going to be throwing me the ball the next few seasons, who's going to be behind center because that's such a huge part of these, commitment decisions that come to pass here over the next few weeks and months. So we'll keep it uh, – we'll keep our eye on recruiting. We'll keep our eye on baseball, obviously, and then, you know, football as we inch closer 
to the football season. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. Again, it's your team every day.